Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Giants fans. Pat Leonard from the Daily News here, of course. Welcome back. Another Thursday night live chat. Michael, what's up? Hunter, what's going on? Antonio, how you doing? Hunter is enjoying peanut butter screwball as well. We got to go in the peanut butter screwball Thursday night talk. Lots to talk about. Man, oh, man. Graham Gano going on injured reserve, having surgery. Randy Bullock signed to the practice squad. Known well for his 47-yard missed field goal to help the Giants win in week one in Tennessee last year. Brian Dable kicking instead of going for it on fourth down when he knew Graham Gano was hurt badly enough that he was going to eventually need surgery. What is going on? Screwball Thursday. That's right, Rick. Dante, what's up? Giants Chronicles, how are we? Let me just get this bet online ad read done and we will hit the questions. Appreciate you guys always being here. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling and college basketball is ready to go. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on, on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. All right, let's get right to the questions. I love doing this. First, I want to tell you guys, I recorded a podcast today on Thursday with Tashawn Reed, the senior writer for The Athletic who covers the Raiders in the NFL. He's the one who got Mark Davis on the phone after the firings of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. Gives some great insight into why Mark Davis did that. Uh, Tells us a little bit about Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders Antonio Pierce, the feeling around the team there. Uh, Really interesting, about 25 minutes or so. uh, New episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard, with Tashawn Reed. We'll be dropping after we do this live chat, honestly. uh, I'm going to put that together and post it on YouTube. So check that out. And then remember, guys, subscribe if you don't already. Hit those thumbs up. That always helps YouTube kind of spread the word and get more Giants fans into our community here. And always remember, you can find me on PL on NFL, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, um, and also P Leonard NYDN on Twitter. All right. Thank you guys, as always, for being here. Let's start with Antonio saying, do you think Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal play this week? I think Evan Neal is back. I'm not sure about Thomas yet. It's a possibility. Uh, Saquon said something today about like, you know, looking forward to getting Andrew back, but it wasn't clear if he was talking about down the stretch or against the Raiders. My thought from what I've seen on the field over the last couple of weeks is that Evan Neal is closer and, or Evan Neal is ready and Andrew Thomas is getting closer, but I think it's going to be one more week till Dallas. That's my hunch. Um, but you know, they've been leaving the door open. But my answer, Antonio, at this moment is Evan Neal comes back. Andrew Thomas is one more week. We'll see if that holds true. Giants Chronicles says, Pat, I have a lot of respect for you, but why the hell did you ask the same question after a reporter already asked it about the Leo trade? Because I felt like he hadn't, um, you know, answered that element of it. So he had been asked the question about um, the locker room, but he had really just talked about um he had talked about the trade and how it went down and how he explained to the players how it went down but to me a huge story this week with the team is it's not about what did you tell the team about how the trade happened it's what did you tell them about what it means right like what does it mean for the team's outlook on the season because you and I know what it means right and the players understand too as Darius Slayton said as Dexter Lawrence said about you know it's the writing on the wall of we know we're two and six and we know that these things happen to teams like they're in these situations right um but just trying to get my finger on that pulse and frankly Giants Chronicles 
Uh, Dable has been extremely evasive. He has told us things that haven't been true in press conferences, um, as you see with the Graham Gano health thing. And so sometimes you have to press on an issue uh, that you feel is something that's worth discussing and worth knowing the answer to. Um, if it doesn't come out of maybe an initial question that doesn't get it right. So that's my answer for you there. Uh, but yeah, Dable, Dable definitely tried to, uh, put me on the spot there, but, um, you know, he's dealing, he's dealing with a guy with thick skin. So I don't, I don't mind being, uh, getting called out or whatever he thought he was doing. All right. Antonio says, um, thoughts on Randy Bullock. I thought Robbie Gould would be the best kicker out of the four they worked out. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was interesting they had Mason Crosby in. Um, you know, I've heard that he just he's not, you know, able to really do kickoffs anymore, get the distance on those. Um, Robbie Gould, I'm not exactly sure why he wasn't able to win it over Bullock, to be honest with you. But it was definitely like a who's best on this day situation. And, um, and Bullock won out. I think Bullock missing the kick against the Giants last year didn't surprise me. Not that he's a terrible player or a terrible kicker, but um, he's been a free agent for a reason, right? Um, you know, gone from Tennessee where he was the last couple of years and just hooking on with the Giants now. I think he was two for three for the Giants back in 2016 when he kicked in that one game that Josh Brown was suspended for, um, you know, so – He's an NFL player, obviously. He's been in the league a long time, and, um, you know, he hooks on different places and helps teams out. But I would say this. My answer to your question about Bullock is they haven't gotten the automatic Graham Gano they've had in the last few years this season. Of course, it started with the block field goal. And if you remember, he injured his right calf on that play trying to chase the ball down. And it's really been downhill from there. It's not like you're missing every kick, but in the last like four weeks or so, it really got worse. And you haven't had that automatic field goal um, option, right, available to you as a coach, right, which makes it even stranger that he kicked on those two fourth and ones in the last game, knowing how hurt Graham Gano was. Um, so I think with Bullock, is he better than an injured Graham Gano? I mean, you would hope so, but – it's definitely a step down from what the Giants have been used to the last few years, in particular last year when obviously the team made the playoffs and finally had a winning record and finally had a season where it looked like the arrow was pointing up. So it's certainly a downgrade. Donna Keen, what's up, Donna, says, is Dable losing credibility after saying Gano could play now having surgery? Yeah, I think so. And I think, honestly, Donna, it, I'd be lying if I didn't say – it's concerning how many times we've gotten one update from the coach recently, and then the reality turns out to be something else. And I think it doesn't matter. Like, listen, it's not personal coach reporter and our dynamic. It's not a personal thing, right? It's a business. It's a professional relationship. And there are definitely things that coaches you understand as a reporter and as a member of the media you have to understand they have to protect their team sometimes. Right. So they're not going to be able to tell you everything. And sometimes it's not in their interest or the player's interest to tell you everything. But you do need a semblance of trust, right? Um, you know, even if the answer is, sorry, I just can't tell you, right? Uh, but the misleading answers, um, answers that make you question the next time the coach says something, right? I think that's the problem. And the problem is for the fans, in my opinion, it's not really for me. Um, I think it's... I think it's not a good way to um, build a strong connection with a fan base when the team is struggling so badly and the coach himself and the leadership are losing some of these games in critical situations with poor decision-making. And so, um, you know, whether it's um, a fourth down call, whether it's just lack of discipline with a player like Thibodeau jumping off sides, the situational football has been bad. And so I listen, when you lose, things pile up. When you win, it feels like everything's going right. And right now they're losing. Dable's situational decision-making in football has been very bad. His team hasn't been prepared for these critical moments and they have short-circuited and not functioned at a high level in critical spots, which falls on him. And then, so I think the press conference moments like that, where you lose some credibility with the fans and, 
just with anybody who's listening when you're giving that kind of update in that situation. And let's be honest to say he, to say, as I crack my neck here to say, he's okay in that spot. Is that protecting yourself as Brian Dable, the coach, because you just put him out there injured to kick a field goal that he misses after he missed one earlier in the game and you knew he was injured. Right. So is that misleading answer and information a way to protect yourself? That's not an unfair question to ask as a reporter or even as a fan. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. I would actually be curious how the fans feel about that. Um, but for me, I think it's certainly a, a loss of credibility when somebody, um, you know, says something like that when the reality is the total opposite. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Hunter says you need to get the screwball sponsor. I know. Working on it, Hunter. Working it. All right. Um, let's see. Giants Chronicles says Ronnie Barnes needs to go. Strength and conditioning staff needs to go. T-Mac needs to get the hell out of here. His excuses make me want to rip my hair out. Man, I'll agree with you that even if even if it's accurate that the refs missed a call with Will McDonald being slightly over Casey Kreider's left shoulder on the alignment of that field goal, the fact that McGahee brought that up, wow. I mean, I mean – it sounds like whining. Like, let's just say it. It just sounds like whining. Um, you know, win the game. You had a 99% chance to win the game. Win the game. As far as everything else you said, um, I would say this about, you know, the Ronnie Barnes training staff, you know, conditioning staff, all that stuff. Um, I would say it's concerning when Darren Waller comes out and says, you know, he played on an injury that he sustained in the Washington game. And then that therefore led to this hamstring injury. That's going to keep him out a while. Uh, you have Graham Gano playing injured now needs surgery. You have Andrew Thomas re-injuring himself in a practice being out long-term. You have the Daniel Jones neck injury and the handling of that situation and the waiting till Sunday to clear him for the following week, instead of having a, a checkup on Friday, like what is going on, Right. What is going on? Like you don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to put two and two together and say something is off here with how things are being handled. And I know you guys know this from reading what I've written in the Daily News and my reporting over the years covering the team. But you know, this has been a problem for a while. You know, the the injuries, inability to keep guys healthy, the finger pointing of whose fault it is, why people are hurt, and the scapegoating of coaches and people. I mean. Everyone who's involved needs to be examined. I would agree with that. Everybody who's involved needs to be examined with a critical eye. Rick, what's up, Rick, says, can you elaborate on what Leonard Williams talked about his meeting with Joe Shane? Good, good question. Good question. Okay, one sec. Another sip of screwball for the masses. Uh, by the way, I'm at entering this live chat. I was at 997 uh, subscribers to the YouTube channel, and I'm hoping to hit a thousand by the end of the night. So if anybody who's on here isn't a subscriber yet, when we're done here, hit that subscribe button. Uh, let's get to a thousand. Let's get to four digits by the end of the night. All right. So to your question, Rick. So Leonard Williams said that he and Joe Shane spoke before the trade. And essentially said that Joe Shane came to him and his agents and said, listen, we're not shopping you, but we have this offer from the Seahawks. Um, and I believe he said that there were a few teams interested in Leonard Williams and um, that Leonard appreciated the way that the Giants handled it by kind of including him in the process because he remembers when he was traded by the Jets, it was abrupt and he had no warning and it happened out of nowhere. And he liked how it happened with the Giants versus how it happened with the Jets. All I would say is this though, like I think he's I think he's doing the Giants a solid there because Joe Shane always plays these semantics and I understand why he does it for a, a optics standpoint, but like you end up with what three suitors and a deal where the Giants are paying basically all of your salary to play for another team and and what they they weren't shopping you like a, you know shopping, not shopping. I mean the Giants obviously had an idea to trade Leonard Williams here. I mean, they're paying him to play for another team essentially. Right. And of course, good job by Joe Shane getting a second round pick out of it. I mean, the giants are certainly paying for it. Um, literally. Um, so I, you know, as far as 
was it handled in a classy way or a classier way than it could have been handled? I mean, listen, he got traded. I, I think it's being a little bit blown out of proportion. Um, the contact that Joe Shane had with his camp, because let's be, let's be fair here. They had to, they had to talk to the agents about the deal and the way that they were going to work the contract in order to make the trade work. And I, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, it's not like if Leonard Williams had said, Hey, I don't want to go play for the Seahawks. The Giants would have said, okay, we're not trading you, right? Um, and I also think that it was interesting to hear Leonard Williams say, Joe Shane talking to him about, you know, giving him the play, give a chance to go play for a team that has a chance to win this year. Um, and that's, you know, just confirmation of what we already know, which is this kind of trade means that the Giants know who they are, and they're not one of those teams, unfortunately. All right, let's see. We got... Chronicles again says, did the Giants do any more talking about other players at the trade deadline? So this is interesting. All right. You guys are here. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to tell you this, you know, that Wes Steinberg tweet about the Giants and the Niners supposedly having an Adoree Jackson deal in place, but someone didn't file it in time. There are some people who think that that's true. Um, obviously that's been reported that it wasn't, um, you know, the West Steinberg account certainly is a fake account, <laughs> um, as entertaining as it can be. Uh, it's also put out some pretty lewd stuff. It's some stuff that, uh, you know, I don't condone. Um, it's, uh, it's quite a, it's quite a new addition to the, uh, to the giants Twitterverse over the last few years. That's, that's for sure. Uh, but I would just say there are some people in the league who, and I know John Lynch, the Niners GM, even came out and said, right, yeah, Antonio, he, he came out and said it wasn't true, like debunked it. So he's debunking a Wes Steinberg tweet. It was really crazy. But, no, there's people there's people in the league who actually believe that that was a real thing, that there were conversations there between the Niners and the, and the Giants that didn't come to fruition. But um, I don't have that 100% confirmed. It's just uh, – there's still chatter about it, I guess, like really in the NFL, not just on social media. Um, you know, if I find more out about that, I'll let you guys know. Did you hear of any trades that got close either Giants or broader NFL, says Matt? Um, I think I was on the Niners for a while there on the pass rush stuff. And so, you know, when I saw when when the Leonard Williams news came down, I thought for a second that <laughs> Lane saying, I was about to subscribe to you, Pat, but you're ignoring my questions. Hey, Lane, so hold on a second. So I'm jumping the line a little bit, but Lane, so here's how we do things here, okay? Uh, first of all, sorry you asked a question that hasn't been asked yet or answered yet. But so what we do is we go in order. And if you want your question answered sooner, you can pay for a super chat or super sticker and it gets elevated right to the top of our chat. And I address it immediately. I discuss it immediately. I answer it immediately. So that can be a way for you guys to support the chat. And then me also uh, to, you know, <clears throat> that, that can be a way for you to support the chat and also for a way for me to see it right away. It adds a little life to the chat. You skipped my question. I was after Rick's question on Leonard. Okay. Getting called out for missing a question. Let's see. Did I? Um, on my feed, it says Rick Bowman and then Giants Chronicles. So I'll get, I'll get down to you in a sec, Lane. Don't worry. And I appreciate the subscription and your patience. I'll get right to it. Okay. Appreciate that. All right. So um, let's see. Um, oh yeah. So Matt asked, uh, any trades that got close giants or broader NFL. No, I was just saying that, um, the Niners were definitely in on pass rush and I knew that that was coming and I thought maybe Leonard Williams would end up there. Um, I'm still trying to figure out who the third suitor for Leonard Williams was. Um, I believe Jordan from ESPN reported that the lions were one of them as well. Uh, so that's two. And uh, I think maybe the Niners were in, were dabbling, not positive about that. Uh, maybe didn't want to pay as high because you saw they used their late third round pick that they got as a compensatory um, for the Rand Carthon hiring in Tennessee and used that. 
So definitely appears to me like the Seahawks blew everything out of the water in return for the Giants, obviously paying that money for that second round pick. You do wonder, though, if that second round pick is really going to end up more like a early third round pick when all is said and done, if the Seahawks do very well. Antonio says, is Jordan Riley done being a healthy scratch after this Leonard Williams trade? Probably, Antonio. Just a reminder, though, for fans, like there was a lot of hype about Jordan Riley in the preseason. I did not buy into that, not because he wasn't making plays. He was making some plays, but it's one thing to make some plays in camp in a preseason. It's another to be a guy who can handle every down in the NFL, like a Dexter Lawrence or Leonard Williams. And Riley was never going to be that guy right, right out of the gate. Um, you know, so keep measured expectations for this guy. He's still young. He's a late round pick for a reason. And obviously he hasn't been on the field for a reason, but yes, he should get more playing time. The giants are definitely leading. Um, the giants are definitely leaning um, heavily towards playing their young guys. Dante says, do you think with Daniel Jones and hopefully Andrew Thomas and Neil back, the Giants can pick up some wins to make me sleep, sneak in the playoffs? Dante, I do not. I think there's a lot wrong with the way that Dable approaches um, situational football game situations. I think the offensive line is going to be an issue most of, if not all the year. I'm not quite sure it's actually going to get steadied. I think hoping for Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley to both stay healthy. You have Waller out, right? Hoping Thomas stays healthy and counting on the defense continuing to play like this. I think it's going to be hard for them to just snap their fingers and instantly be uh, a team that turns this season completely around. Um, also, like there's even a chance they lose to the Raiders. I mean, then they have the Cowboys, Washington on the road. Uh, you know, the schedule's easier than it was earlier in the season, but it's not easy. And no, I'm sorry. I, and not to burst your bubble, but I don't think they can. What's your Vegas game of choice, says Doug. Doug, I'm, a, uh, I'm just a simple roulette guy. I will be on the tables, I promise you. Um, you know, I'm not a huge gambler, but I do enjoy roulette being in that environment, either when I or somebody else, even if someone I don't know gets on a hot streak, it does get exciting. Um, looking forward to Vegas, though. Anybody here going to Vegas this weekend? Let me know. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Chronicle says, I get that. Dable's terrible impressors. Hunter says, if Tyrod never got hurt, do you think Giants rushed Danny back this week? Um, well, you know, that's do you believe that they cleared him before the game on Sunday for this week? That's the question. If you believe them, then he was always coming back. If you don't, then who knows? But I do think he was on track to come back in this Raiders game the whole time. They probably just didn't want to put him against the Jets D line, um, given his health concerns and his neck. But obviously, Max Crosby might present problems there, too. All right, Lane, what's up? We're on to the question. Would it be possible to trade Daniel Jones or do we save more cap space if we just release him after this year? Okay, so let's get to some of the records here. That's a good question, Lane. Thank you for being patient. Um, so Daniel Jones, if you were to, uh, let's see. So if you trade him, <coughs> excuse me, if you trade him, the dead money, um, you know, after, in 2024, the dead money is, let's see, $11 million and the cap savings is $36 million. So you're taking an $11 million hit each of the next three years, but you're saving a ton of money. If you cut him, no, if you cut him outright, um, you know, you're eating $47 million next year. So the thing about a trade is that another team can be taking on that salary is taking on that salary, unless you agree to, uh, to take on some of it, like they did in the Leonard Williams deal. But if they were to just cut Daniel Jones, when you cut a player, what happens is the money on all the bonuses, the signing bonus, it all rolls up on you because instead of being prorated and spread out over the contract, it ends up coming all due on your salary cap immediately. So you can't just release him um, when you give a player that kind of guaranteed money, the 82 guaranteed over two years, because when you do that, you lock yourself in at least to two years. So that's why Daniel Jones's contract is so tough for them to get out of early is because, you know, you can cut him, um, 
into 2025, you can cut him and save a bulk of his contract. But in 2024, that is not an option. So that's part of the reason why it's so tough. Hunter says, uh, oh, Lane, I would say this, though, by the way, and this is something I'm going to write about for the Sunday Daily News. I think it's very fascinating. And Lane, I'm glad you asked this because the quarterback decision right now is a huge one. You look at a lot of teams right now are lining up for quarterbacks in this coming draft. A lot of teams, you know, Green Bay starting to talk about what are we going to do? Um, you know, I mean, you're watching if you're watching this game right now, Kenny Pickett with the Steelers. Come on. Underthrowing guys, overthrowing guys. Right. I mean, there's there's a ton of teams out there that need quarterbacks. The Atlanta Falcons need a quarterback. I mean, you just pick them out of a hat. Right. So the fascinating thing for the Giants is financially they have to stay on the hook for Daniel Jones next year, but they get the extra second round pick in the Williams trade. Um, you know, are they looking at a Marvin Harrison Jr.? Are they looking at a Joe Alt or are they looking at a quarterback? Are they going to try to draft a quarterback, even knowing that Daniel Jones is probably stuck on their roster for one more season next year? Do they draft a quarterback anyway? And how much does Daniel Jones's play the, the rest of this year factor into that decision? His play factors in, in my opinion, his health factors in, right? Trading him will probably be tougher given these two neck injuries now as well, in my opinion. So even though he's he sometimes makes a lot of plays and has led them to wins and earned his contract last year, now it, to me, become, becomes harder even to deal the guy. Um, you know, they want to stand by him, but look at where the team is. Look at where the roster is. Is this going to be a rebuild teardown again, right? You don't know. That's not the plan for sure. But I think that Lane hits on something very important, which is the idea that the quarterback position remains the biggest fascination down the stretch of this season. And the Daniel Jones questions have to continue, not just, not just about him, but also about how the organization thinks about him and feels. Um, let's see. Okay. We got Ben Standig. Ben, what's up? Ben Standig from the athletic an expert on the commanders. Uh, great, great coverage of the NFL from Ben, um, you know, has a radio show, podcast. This this guy does it all. Um, ben, thanks for joining. He, better quarterback, Daniel Jones or Sam Howell? Oh, what a question added to the chat. Just had to take another sip of my screwball peanut butter whiskey. For those of you who are new, try it. It's great. They're not sponsoring us yet. They will be. Um, and yeah, just a quick reminder for everybody, subscribe if you don't already when we're done with the chat. Hit the thumbs up button or the hearts, the like, you know, everything. It helps spread the word around YouTube that this is going on. It shares it with the NFL and Giants community. It brings more people in. Um, and we do these, remember, Thursday night halftime and after every Giants game. So after the Giants Raiders game at Allegiant Stadium, I will be there in Vegas logging on and we'll download on the Giants and the Raiders that game in Vegas. That'll be my final stadium I have to hit. And now I, I will have been at every stadium. Okay, Standig says Jones or Hal. Ben, I think um, I think Daniel, I mean, the neck injuries concern me. Um, I think Sam holds the ball too long. I do think, though, that he's got some moxie to him. He's got an arm, certainly. Um, and also, I think they call plays. Um, I think Eric Bieniemy calls plays like he's playing a game of Madden and not like he's managing an NFL game, which doesn't necessarily help Sam. Um, I do think, though, that, you know, Daniel earned whatever you want to say about him. And obviously we could sit here and talk about his shortcomings forever as well, especially early in his career. But to say all that, he did go out last year when the pressure was on and everything was on the line and led them to the playoffs and had a monster game in that wild card game against the Vikings to earn that big contract. And as we sit here right now, I don't think Sam Howe is going to be earning that type of contract four years from now. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible, but now does that mean Daniel's better, you know, that he, that he gets that contract if Sam Howe doesn't I mean, maybe not necessarily based on how different franchises value different players. Um, I think it's Daniel though. I think Daniel's running ability combined with the fact that he typically is accurate. Um, you know, that was the that's the crazy thing, Ben, this year is that we've seen Daniel Jones, especially early on, 
when the offensive line protection wasn't holding up, he turned into what Eli was late in his career where he was starting to see ghosts. He was seeing pressure when it wasn't there. And then he was missing obvious and easy throws. Um, so, but my answer is Daniel Jones. All right. Uh, Chronicle says this season is over. Yes. Agree for all intents and purposes. Though interesting talking to Saquon Barkley today, he's saying, well, we should be on, we should be four and four. We can still get this going. Like he's really trying all he can to kind of like drum up the competitiveness and get the team's confidence there. But you know, tough to do because the reality in the NFL, as you guys know, is it's not shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's like, did you win the game or lose the game? So could you say they should be four and four because of the Buffalo game and the Jets game? Yeah, of course. But um, you lost those games and you lost them because you didn't make plays at critical times, right? So um, you're two and six. Uh, Immortal TK says, do you think Evan Neal will get a position change next season? Good question. Will he get a team change? That's the question. I mean, he still hasn't played in a in a home game uh, since since uh, his comments that uh, you know kind of rip rip some of the fans. Um, you know, I do think there will be a huge reevaluation of everything regarding Evan Neal after this year. There's another player whose second season, the the rest of his second season, will dictate I think a lot about where things go with that player. You know, I think I think there's a lot of pressure on him, you know, not to, not to turn into Andrew Thomas overnight, but just to prove that um, he can be a professional out there, be, you know, be uh, reliable and be serviceable, right? Like Tyree Phillips hasn't been perfect, but he's been serviceable. That's what you're looking for. Good test for Dable to keep the team playing, says Radical Sim. I completely agree. Radical Sim, here's what I told somebody the other day, and you bring it up a great point. You know, you wonder how the team's going to react, how the locker room's feeling, right? They're 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 trying to stay upbeat. Uh, they're doing their best in there, talking to the guys, right? They're not acting like the season's over. But here is where you will know. You will know, like, let's just hypothetically say, Aiden O'Connell throws a touchdown pass in the first quarter to Devontae Adams, and it's seven nothing Raiders. How do the Giants respond when the Raiders go in at halftime up ten? I'm just throwing out hypotheticals, right? Do the Giants come out flat in the second half, right? We've seen the Giants have a lot of pride. These players have a lot of pride. They're professionals. But, you know, do we see one guy here, one guy there, take their foot off the gas? Does the tackling stop? Um, you know, does the energy slump on the sidelines? Does Dable start losing his cool again, right? But these are the things to look for. So those are all part of the test you talk about. Antonio says Ashawn will get the start this week next to Dexter. That's the way it looks. Um, they remember they gave some real money, not a gazillion dollars, but uh, some real money to Ashawn and to Raheem Nunez Roches Nacho. Um, so those guys, it's time for them to earn it now, right? It's time for them to earn their money at least uh, for the second half of the season. If Anthony Blevins were still on staff with McGahey, still be the special teams coordinator, says Rick. Just how loyal is Dable to his staff members? Hmm. That's a good question. I think T-Mac is also, you know, he's a Giants guy, not just a Dable. He's not a Dable guy. He's a Giants guy, right? Um, I think that at the end of this year, you're going to see some turnover on the Giants staff. That's for sure, no matter how this finishes. Um, I don't know if Blevins being on staff would have changed that, though. Um, you know, Dable's brought in some of his own guys over there on special teams too. And, um, you know, riding it out with McGee during the season, I think is probably as much of a result of him being, uh, respected in the building, you know, ownership on down, having those relationships as much as anything. Uh, Lane, you're welcome. Yeah, you got it. Uh, can we start using young Shetmore says Giants Chronicles? Um, I've been begging for that all year. Don't know why it hasn't happened. I will tell you this. I do think Paris Campbell is going to get back on the field, get some more opportunities. Um, you know, I think a guy who could have been traded, didn't get traded. I think there were some calls around the league about him, but, um, you know, nothing materialized. But now with Waller out, you know, you got to really use every weapon at your disposal. And Campbell should have been on the field already. I mean, I know there were some catch and run opportunities that he didn't take advantage of early on, but he's a professional um, he's a player who can make plays. You get him ball, the ball in the right spots. And he did a ton of work all off season and all spring, all summer with Daniel Jones. And really it was looking like that 
um, one of the top three receivers until Wandale Robinson got healthy and Campbell got phased out. So that's one thing I will tell you. I, I do think Paris Campbell factors in in a much bigger way this uh, this weekend. Joseph Clark says, loving your show, Pat. Joe, thank you so much, Joseph. Really appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for saying that. Um, you know, guys, I really love doing these. You know, you you guys make them go. And um, if you if you don't get a chance to be here for the whole live chat, if you just got here, if you got here late, I will post this whole audio as a podcast on my Talking Ball with Pat, with Pat Leonard uh, podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you subscribe. Subscribe to that there as well. Have an interview coming soon with Tashawn Reed from The Athletic. Uh, covers the Raiders. Got Mark Davis on the phone after the uh, firings. He, he gives some really good insight into the team, into uh, how Antonio Pierce is being received by the players, into uh, – he, he actually I'll, – I'll tell you this. He picks the Raiders to beat the Giants based on the energy he's seeing from the team and what he thinks they're capable of um, and based on how the defense is played and maybe how the rookie quarterback can manage things. But uh, go check that out. 1K, we're at 1,000. Giants Chronicles tells me we're at 1,000. Let's go. Let's go. You guys are all here to share this with me, man. I've been really hunting that number recently because um, it just really reflects everything we've built and grown here together. And I really th can't thank you guys enough. Lane, thank you. Lane, you might have been number 1,000, man. You subscribed. You might have been 1,000. I'll bet you were. I really appreciate that. What are you hearing from your sources about info on how ownership front office is feeling, Chronicle says? I think they're unsettled. Um, you know, they're, certainly the, the plan is not to blow anything up the way they've done over the last uh, three different regimes prior to this but especially the way that Jets game was lost and the way things are going, um, you know, not a good, not a good feeling from the top. Um, I will say that the fact that they bought that second round pick for Joe Shane tells me something like it tells me something that Joe Shane is right. Like there, it's a, it, there's a plan behind why they're paying for that pick. Right. Because the giants, you know, they're not the cheapest owners in the league, but they're not the biggest spenders either. And that's a lot of money to pay a guy who's not playing for your team. Right. So it's for that extra pick. So what's it for? Again, it comes back to that quarterback in the draft conversation. And to me, that shows some, that, that shows some faith in whatever plan Shane and the front office and the giants leadership right now is articulating about what they intend to do with that capital. Um, and so I do think that they're still trying to make this work and still following the process that Shane is laid in place. Dable's really having a rough go of it. I don't know if, it, if, if there could ever result in Joe Shane being here and Brian Dable not. Um, I do think it would have to continue going downhill and downhill in a bad way, as we've seen so far for that to ever to enter the conversation as like a real thing ownership was considering. But I do frankly think that things that have happened along the way, like the bills loss, like that jets loss. Um, like imagine if you, what if he loses to Antonio Pierce and Aiden O'Connell, right? Like these are the things that put extra pressure. And this is how pressure builds on coaches and on regimes. So that, that will, that will impact a lot. Uh, let's see. Luann says the season is not over. The schedule is beatable. I love your optimism. I love it. Um, I agree to disagree, but um, you know, what do you say? Giants can win eight games and get a wild card. I listen, Luann, if they do that, I will again do what I did last year. I will go on social media and put a clown face on myself. And I will say Luann, big blue fan said that they were going to make the playoffs and I told her she was wrong and I was wrong. Congrats on 1K subs and let's go Giants says Joseph Clark. Joseph, thank you so much on that super chat, that super sticker. If you got a question, uh let me know. I'll answer it right right away. Donna with $5 as well. Donna, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Wow. Yeah, drop a question right after that, a comment, whatever you got. I will answer it immediately. Thank you so much. So guys, these are the super chats. 
and the super stickers we were talking about screwball thursday that's right that's right let's go i love doing these i love doing these and i love that you guys love them um i really appreciate that the support means a lot to me the engagement means a lot to me uh your questions and your comments mean a lot to me um i really do i really do love what we're building here remember um talking ball podcast on apple and spotify Daily News website for all my writing, P. Leonard NYDN on Twitter, at PL on NFL, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, everywhere. Um, you know, make sure you subscribe to all of them. So when I put the clown face on for Luann, when the Giants make the playoffs, you can see it no matter where I post it. <laughs> all right. Let's see. We got. All right. Who else do we have left? Okay. Luann says, I don't want Neil playing Sunday. Interesting. But listen, Luann, here's where the Giants are right now. I, I know what you're saying about how you'd prefer Phillips. But where the Giants are too, and you talk about pressure on the front office or not or whatever, they also have their draft picks that they've been throwing into the lineup and really pushing forward into like, okay, here's the team and the program we're building. So like Wandale Robinson playing as much as he has, Jalen Hyatt playing as much as he has. Um, and Evan, Neal, you know, Evan Neal is just another example of a guy that they're trying to groom and get going, you know, like Michael, Mike McFadden has looked good. Cordell Flott has started to factor in on defense. Kayvon Thibodeau now has eight and a half sacks, but on the flip side, you have some other guys led by Neal who need to step it up and aren't working out. So they need to get answers on those young guys too. And Luann, as much as you want the giants to win this season and turn it around, Frankly, I think the focus and the aim right now is more on the future as evidenced by the trade for uh, the picks trading Leonard Williams out. And I think playing Evan Neal is a way to get more homework and data on a guy before you enter next year's draft and your team building pro, uh, process for the 2024 season. Joseph says, imagine sitting at four and four after such a poor start and schedule. What could have been? Yeah, no, I mean, that would have been encouraging and obviously had a better chance at making the charge for a late playoff seed, like Luann said, but also it, it would have just put the giants to me in more limbo. Like they're not a good enough team. You know, Bobby O'Karake has made them a lot better on defense. Um, you know, the defense has played well, especially lately, you know, Dexter Lawrence is a monster. I do think Deontay banks um, is a good player is going to be a really good player. Um, so some things are coming together, but some things aren't. I, to me, I think like it would be fool's gold to be four and four at this point, but you know, it's the NFL. Anything can happen if you stay relevant. Right. And that's part of the frustrating thing is the Giants just haven't even stayed relevant long enough in order to give themselves a shot down the stretch, in my opinion. Antonio actually mentioned already Cordell Flott. He's been impressed by him. Yeah, I agree. I think he's been competitive when the balls come his way. Uh, I think it's encouraging. It's almost like finally when he's been able to stay healthy and stay on the field, um, he's been a factor. So I agree with you. I think that's a that's an underrated bright spot. And Probably need to talk to him soon about his contributions, honestly, because uh, there's been a lot of big picture things going on. But that's definitely something to take temperature on, especially when you talk about how Shane's draft picks are doing positive and negative. Uh, Rick says, do you expect any particular younger players to see their snap shares increase? Yeah, Jordan Riley, I guess, would be one to start factoring into the mix. Um, you know, they have, uh, you know, they have edge rushers like. Tamon Fox, who's still on the practice squad. Um, oh, they signed a guy uh, to their they signed a guy to their practice squad. His name's Stanley Thomas Oliver, and I think he might end up getting elevated to play Gunner on special teams on on punt because that's what that's what he's done. That's what he was signed for essentially. He's a corner, but he's a special teamer and a Gunner. Uh, so there's another guy to keep an eye out for. Uh, let's see. Giants can win eight games, get a wild card. You said Luann. Yeah. I love your positivity. Wow. A team change may happen for Neil. You may be right. Immortal TK. Well, I'm just, you know, I mean, obviously if he plays poorly down the stretch here too, it's not like you're going to trade him for anything, but um, yeah, I just mean about like, if, you know, first of all, you guys tell me how will he be received in MetLife stadium when he comes back and plays in his next home game? Like if he, if it's a few, if it's three weeks from now against the Patriots, 
Like, would Evan Neal be received well? Will it be a non-issue? Will he get booed? I don't know. I mean, you know, like those kind of things, like, you know, I, I keep telling myself, like, will he be able to come back from that? I mean, if he plays well, I guess he would. And if he doesn't, maybe he won't. That might be the answer. I'm not really sure. But I do think, you know, it's too important of a position to just roll into year three and say, oh, to definitely work if things don't improve down the stretch, which is where I come from. You know, is he is he on the team next year? Um, is he, does he end up making the team out of camp? Like all that stuff, like because it really has been bad so far. It's, it's been bad. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Joseph Chronicles, you guys were on it. A thousand subscribers. Joseph and Donna, again, I really appreciate the uh, super chats, the super stickers. Um, you know, can't thank you enough. All right, let's get to Dante here. Dante says, do you think the Giants making the playoffs last season and winning did more harm than good to this team and fans because it made everybody believe they were closer to contending than they really are? Dante, do you do you want to do my job for me? Because that I couldn't have said that better myself. Wow. Dante is on it. Holy cow. Did you take that for one of my stories last year? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that that is so well said. And listen. To give Joe Shane credit, like the Giants internally, I think, knew that. Like they knew that last year wasn't supposed to be a winning year. It was kind of like they caught lightning in a bottle. And now, like the lightning's gone. They lost the magic lamp and they're back to what they were supposed to be all along. Except this is what you thought maybe they would look like last year. And what happened in the first season was what you wanted to build to in year two, right? So <clears throat> it's kind of backwards. And yes, I think the expectations get higher both internally and externally when you win quickly. And so that can end up backfiring. And so what you've seen from the way the Giants have handled things from a public relations standpoint, optically, um, they tried to keep a lid on expectations. Like, the fact that Joe Shane and Brian Dable would not say at their intro press conference this season, even what their general expectations were for the team. My read on that was that two things. One, they had a feeling, especially with their schedule, that it might not go well out of the gate. And two, they didn't want to set the bar high because if they overachieved this year again, hey, yeah, progress. But if they said we want to build on last year and take another step, and they took this big a step back after putting that on record, they didn't want to look like they had no idea what they were talking about when they were looking at their team. So that's an example of them managing the expectations. But Dante, the reality is, as you said, like it's the NFL. There are teams who get good quickly, um, who turn around quickly or who build properly. And the Giants are trying to be that. Uh, but it's hard. It's hard because of the expectations. It's hard because of um, – mistakes you make and in personnel evaluations and in critical moments in games, like look at the Raiders, you know, uh, they got some good players and the coaching staff couldn't figure it out. And they lost some big leads last year. They lost some bad games. They lost some close games. And next thing you know, the offense looks like crap and you get fired in the middle of year two, you know, happens fast. Immortal TK says, this is a great live I shared on Facebook. Really appreciate that, Immortal TK. That probably helped us get to 1,000 too. Thank you so much. Chronicle says, the clown face on Instagram was great. Yeah, that, that was fun. I enjoyed doing that. So Chronicle says, what's the closest Giants got to shipping away Campbell, Adoria, et cetera? Where were their calls? Or was Shane mostly quiet? Um, I, do think, I do think Shane was working the phones, but you know, he's not going to sell anything for nothing. It strikes me as a guy like Campbell where, to be honest, I don't think – I think it would have been good for him to get a change of scenery. But the Giants, for them selfishly, having another extra body to throw back in the lineup when guys go down helps as well. So it's kind of a situation of like maybe a change of scenery would have helped him. Um, you know, but uh, but it wasn't like, you know, a rabid market actively shopping and banging down doors and – all that kind of stuff and competition and then holding on to a guy. Um, I do think, uh, you know, I do think there was something to a Dory about the Giants looking at that and saying, like, it really makes sense. Like same with Leonard Williams, like the similar contract places and contract situations. I mean, Leonard with more money, but 
you know, similar spots of veterans and, you know, both captains on the defense. I just don't think the Giants were able to find anything go down with the Dory, but um, not like, yeah, no, I mean, what, what you know is what, or what I told you earlier is, um, is the most interesting thing is that the fact that there are some people out there in the league who think that the Adoree Giants Niners rumor about talking, but not actually getting it done was true. Uh, so I'm continuing to do work on that though. Like I'm not reporting that on in the, you know, <clears throat> on Twitter as breaking news uh, because frankly, that needs to be fully vetted. Let's see. Um, yeah. Luann says, I'm not giving up on my team. I love the defense. I'm tired of losing. We should be four and four. I hear that you're a loyal fan. Loyalty is good. I always appreciate loyalty from fans to their teams. Multiple Giants front offices unable to develop young offensive line players is just baffling. Yeah, Joseph. And also, like, I mean, let's just face it. This regime's offensive line drafting so far has been a disaster. I mean, Evan Neal, Josh Azudu, Marcus McKeithen. Right? Last year, those were the draft picks on the offensive line. So I don't know if that's even not developing guys. That could just be poor evaluations. There were people in the Giants building who wanted Charles Cross. I reported that at the time. And I actually, I honestly thought he was going to be the guy. Um, but obviously the way the board fell and then Neil had some experience at right tackle. But right now their, their draft picks on the offensive line haven't looked good. And even their signings, you know, Mark Lewinsky – um, he's settled down a little bit middle of this year, but for the money they gave him, not worth it. And then for how he played at the beginning of this season too, and even parts of last year, not good enough. Rick wants to know if Hawkins and Owens will play more. Uh, Javarius, I don't think, I don't think Javarius would play more because where is he going to play? Because you have Xavier McKinney still on the team starting at safety, Jason Pinnock. Uh, Dane Belton's the third safety. Maybe Owens gets worked in down the stretch eventually, uh, but it doesn't, I don't think there's a ton of snaps available to him. And then Hawkins, yeah, I mean, they want to give him snaps. Um, I would, yeah, he'll play. He'll play. But certainly there was a spot there where he wasn't playing at all until Adore Jackson got hurt, right? So I think Hawkins, like especially when he plays against top-end top veteran talent, like when you saw him against the Niners, I mean, he was not ready for that stage at all. You know, no, no offense to him. I mean, he's a young late rounder, right? I mean, he's he's not supposed to be. But um, I think Hawkins, yeah, they, they do want to get him on the field because they do view him as a part of the future for sure. But he, he's been on the field, you know, maybe, maybe another uptick, especially down the stretch stretch. Who is the backup tight end, says N626M? I think, um, or not, I think so Daniel Bellinger and then, uh, Lawrence Cager, Lawrence Cager is, um, the guy who's been in Darren Waller's hip pocket the whole time who had that breakout game in the final week of the regular season with Davis Webb last year against the Eagles in week, what, 18. And uh, I do think you're going to see some Lawrence Cager in this game. Excellent receiver. Good kid too. Like good kid. I root for him a lot. Um, athletic. I'm not sure he's the blocker that the Giants want him to be, uh, but he's a converted wide receiver, just like Waller as well. And so uh, I do think he's going to get a shot. Luann says, I was so excited about this season. I even took a lot of Sundays off thinking we would be a top team, and it is the opposite. Yeah, it's tough, Luann. Luann, um, I would say this too, and obviously you're here, so you follow the work I do and what we're doing here, but if you follow everything I do, writing, social media, right, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and especially the YouTube community we're growing here, I will keep it straight and honest and real with you guys. And you can see tonight, like, if I think the Giants can't turn it around and won't make the playoffs and things aren't looking good, like, I'm just going to tell you and I'm going to tell you why. And um, this this season, to be totally honest with you, did not catch me off guard. I would say there are elements of it maybe that did here and there, but by and large, like their health problems, I expected their offensive line problems. I knew were going to be big problems. Parts of their secondary I knew were a huge problem. And, you know, above all the Brian Dable coach of the year gives his team an edge against everyone 
I knew that was coming back down to earth based on how I saw him, you know, uh, operate, how I saw some things, some mistakes last year that kind of got glossed over because the team won some games and made the playoffs. Um, I didn't think it was as good as it looked last year to get back to the point that Dante brought up earlier. And so we will be realistic and honest about those things here. And um, but I always say, Luann, I want the team to win because it's it's good for me. It's good for you guys. It's good for everybody. You know, if the Giants win a Super Bowl, I get to cover a team that wins. I get to write a book about it. I get to do a lot more television. Right. You know, I hope you guys caught me on Bruce Beck the other night, by the way. That was a lot of fun. Always fun doing a sports final with Bruce. It was me and Brian Costello from the Post. We always have fun doing it, uh, the show together, you know, bouncing each other, Giants, Jets. It was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, winning is good for everybody. That's what I always tell you guys. Uh, let's see. John Borsilli says, any word on the front office's feelings on this year's quarterback class? I know Shane has been scouting. I think it's just clear that the feelings are, from what I can see, John, so first of all, Joe Shane has told us directly before, and this is a philosophy I absolutely agree with. Like he is scouting quarterbacks, even if he's not going to end up drafting one, because the last thing you want is have no data on a guy and realize, Oh, we should have took that flyer on that guy. Or, Oh, what's the harm in adding another quarterback when we already have one? If that guy's going to be a star when we know the first one we have might be good, but isn't great. Right? Like he is always doing his due diligence there. And I do respect that. Um, and I think it's the right way to operate. So he's going to operate that way and study these guys no matter what. As far as feelings on the quarterback class, not in on, not in on that specifically yet. Um, you know, so I I do think it's noteworthy though how closely he's been scouting them, how he's been at these games in person. Um, I would say this: you can't rule out at this moment that the Giants are going to draft a quarterback next year. You have to keep it on the table at this moment, uh, but. No specific insights yet on the specific prospects and what the Giants think. Uh, we'll continue to be working on that, though, especially as this season possibly continues to go down the drain. I don't care about Neil's comment, says Joe. He's young and set out of frustration. Fans need to relax, in my opinion. Okay, that's good to hear. No, because I think I think it would be good for the kid to come back to a home game after missing those last two. They have three road. If he comes back, let's say, in that Patriots game and plays at MetLife Stadium – you know, it would be nice for him to get some support or at least not to get booed and then to be able to try to put his best foot forward on the field as opposed to turning into a guy who, you know, always gets remembered for that as a guy who was, you know, a draft bust who ripped the fans, right? So I do think that's a key moment, though, for him in his career as well, coming back to MetLife Stadium, kind of, you know, owning that, but also moving forward from it and having the fans help with it. Um, but this has been a phenomenal live chat. Wow. You guys crushed it. We're almost an hour. Uh, that's probably my cue to wrap it up, but I want to thank you all for being here, for asking great questions and driving this chat. Like really, I come in here sometimes and I'm saying, okay, here are the talking points I'm going to hit and I'm going to drive the conversation and then people will follow. You guys led this conversation tonight. I mean, a hundred percent you guys did. I thank you to everybody. Thank you to Donna, especially, and Joseph. Thank you for all you guys, Chronicle. You All you guys who helped me get to 1,000 tonight, huge milestone. You guys were all here with me to do it. Screwball Thursdays. Remember, subscribe already. If you don't, um, we're going to do this live after the game on Sunday in Vegas, like we always do, live post-game chat. Uh, go check. I will post this before the end of the night, my podcast on uh, the Raiders with Tashawn Reed from The Athletic. Go look at that. Um, and please leave reviews wherever you can. Comments. It could be on YouTube. It could be on Apple and Spotify with the podcast as we continue to grow this, continue to grow our following and our conversations here. Um, but can't thank you guys enough. These have turned into um, amazing experiences. We'll have more offerings coming on the YouTube channel as well. You guys can probably see as subscribers already. There's YouTube shorts from Giants Practice, interviews. Uh, post-game locker room, practice highlights, and we're just going to keep it rolling. Thank you so much for being here and talk to you soon on Talking Ball with Pat Leonard here on the live chats. Remember, we are sponsored by Bet Online. 
and by Estate 98 Coffee. It's an Essencia Day Cafe from El Salvador. I drink it all the time when I'm doing the Talking Ball Pod. Uh, you just throw ice in a glass and a tablespoon of Estate 98 and some water, and you stir it, and it's ready to go. You can heat it up as you uh, you can heat it up in the microwave as you as well, and um, it's fantastic stuff. I can't recommend it enough. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.